The Alpha Sessions with Alan Joyce. And I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by Joe Tyrone. Welcome to Hello. Alpha Sessions. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming in. So you're a singer, songwriter and producer. Yes. So which came first? Oh, uh, I would say singer. Um because one of my first bands, I was sort of, we were just singing, we would rip instrumentals from YouTube and sing over them and make our songs out of that. Um, and it was only shortly after that, we started to produce our own stuff together. And then we both sort of learnt together how to produce. So what sort of age was that that you started? That must have bands been, um, oh God, I must have been... 13 oh right yeah maybe a bit younger yeah 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 Yeah. because i i used to live in spain and prior to that i was always writing music and it was more in the form of like poetry um it was never sung it was always just like in my head or on paper right and i never did anything with it and then i came back to the uk um and then met my bandmate sid and then we ended up making music together and it started to materialise into things that I could actually speak aloud or sing aloud yeah. or shout aloud probably at the time. It more <laughs> sounded like... I was going to say, what sort of music were you making in those early bands? Though? It was... It, it it trickled along the line between rap and pop and spoken word and acoustic. Right. It like jumbled a bunch of things. Um yeah. <laughs> so it's evolved quite a lot then. As uh, it's yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah it's, it's changed quite dramatically for me. <laughs> and you mentioned before the interview that you, um, you've you been in bands quite a lot yeah, up yeah. till now. So tell us about some of the bands you've been involved with up So there. I started off with my friend Sib. We were like a duo, so less of a band, I guess, just a, a duo. And uh, yeah, we performed. We, we Our sort of sound grew together and we played loads of gigs. We ended up supporting... Uh, Bob Geldof on tour, which was really cool. Wow. Um, yeah, that was that was weird. Um, but it was really fun as well. So we supported Bob Geldof. Played a bunch of other gigs in our local area. Um, did you get some feedback from Bob himself? Did he, did he We did, yeah. Tips? It was it was interesting. Um, he, he sort of... We'd just finished an EP at the time, which we gave to him. And, I mean, I think a lot of people know what Bob Geldof's like. He's very, like, critical, very hard... Like, yeah. you know, it's it's going to be the the truth, no matter how much that hurts or how much it might offend you or, you know, maybe some people it might not offend. I, I wasn't particularly offended, but he had a lot of criticisms. It was just like, oh, yeah, have you thought about doing this and this? I don't like this. I don't like this. So which I took under my belt and, you know, tried to. I was going to say, how much of that did you actually then end up using, which presumably has helped you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of it we definitely um, took into account and started trying to implement it into what we were doing. And it was more to do with like changing the way we were thinking about what we were doing. Uh, as weird as that sounds, it was more, <laughs> it was, it, I feel like it was less to do with the sound. It was more like, you should be doing this. And this is how you should do this. So it wasn't a complete change of direction. It was just refining. Yeah, yeah. It was just tweaking little things about how we were doing things. Um, it was little sonic things here and there as well. But um, yeah, ma- mainly to do with our, our, the way we were working. And in those earlier days, were you producing your own stuff even back then? Yeah, yeah. So by the time we got to the point where we were supporting Bob on tour... Uh, we'd gone through the motions of back when I said we were starting with singing over YouTube instrumentals and writing to them. And we'd developed to this point where we were uh, producing stuff ourselves and writing ourselves and sticking it all on YouTube. And we sort of built up like a little bit of a fan base on YouTube through that. Um, 
and then yeah, and then then the Bob thing came along, and but by which point we were sort of we were quite comfortable in producing for ourselves, um, yeah. And then after that, I started producing for a guy called Cam Johnston, who is a rapper and singer. Um, and I was purely behind the boards on that one. It was more me playing the instruments and doing handling the production and Cam on the vocals. Um, and then that naturally transitioned into me being the guitarist for his band at the time. Um, so you've been involved in sort of rap scene quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We it was quite rap heavy at one point. Um, it was cool. It was it was interesting. Definitely interesting. I think most of the time when I told people that that was sort of the stuff I was making, you sort of had a moment where people like raised their eyebrows like, really? <laughs> so what point did that change? Where did when did you change direction then? Uh, it definitely changed with so alongside doing that band stuff with Cam that I mentioned when I was producing for him. I was also still a performer and a producer with Sid in our little duo. Um, and our sound just kept developing. The, the rap production, I was getting a lot of that rap inspiration and production from working with Cam. Um, but then that side of it started to drift out of Sid and Joe and started to become a bit more... People used to compare us to. They said it sounded like Simon and Garfunkel a little bit. Oh wow! It's like it became <laughs> That's a like bit of a change of direction. Yeah, 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 a little bit. I mean, we always had that that um, that acoustic guitar sound and quite the stripped back sound. Um, I think what mainly changed was I stopped doing more of the spoken word, rappy kind of stuff, and it became more singing, and then became harmonies with Sid, and then yeah, and then it developed into this kind of spoken wordy um, Simon and Garfunkel esque. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Brilliant. So what sort of music did you grow up listening to then? I grew up listening to uh, a lot of, I mean, it was a lot of rap, actually. It was a lot of, Eminem was like one of the first things I listened to a lot. Um, but once I started to get out of that rap phase, started listening to bands like Fun, started listening to Panic at the Disco, Fall Out Boy, all of those kind of bands. Um, and that sort of, I think that steered a lot of my sound as well. Um, but when I was... Growing up, my dad was also a musician and I was always hearing his music on repeat as well, which was quite nice, um, which was more like 70s disco dance pop kind of stuff. That's quite an eclectic mix then between yeah. you, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> it's no wonder you've been very diverse in the different styles yeah, that you've yeah. been doing. Mm. So you were doing the band up until what stage? So I was doing stuff with Sid up until 2015. Um, then we just sort of, he actually went off to uni and started doing his university. He was becoming a physicist, so he started doing that. I went to uni to do audio engineering because I knew I wanted to stay involved in music in some way, shape or form, whether I was the performer or not. I knew that I, I was quite comfortable performing and producing. So getting that degree allowed me to sort of hardwire that knowledge into my head and yeah, carry on as a producer and an engineer. Um, so, yeah, so we sort of left Sid and Joe there. But in the meantime, while I was doing my degree, I was still producing for Cam, um, still gigging with Cam as well. So I was still his guitarist um, and his producer. And then it got to around 2017 and I moved out and then I started making my own stuff, like my own solo material. Had you missed not being the performer during the time where you'd had that time out? Um, I was always writing, but yeah, I, I think I definitely, I don't, I don't think I realised how much I missed it until I went back to it because at the time I was sort of like, you know, one door closes and you're just hoping for another one to open. Um, and I was sort of stuck in the pattern of producing and so I felt comfortable in that. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I was meant to just be a producer. I'll stick with this. And then 
I was always writing in the hopes that one day I'd be writing for other people and just giving them songs to sing. Um, but yeah, it, naturally I, I started to just sing my own stuff and the sound was different and and it just felt natural and then it just happened. I was going to say, whilst you were writing perhaps for other people, you were maybe sort of thinking, oh, I want that song for myself. Yeah, there was definitely moments where I was, I think the majority of them, I was like, this is a great song, I should just sing this myself. Because yeah. in, in all honesty, I was never actively pitching these songs to anyone. I was just sort of dreaming about it whilst going, I was sort of dreaming of these songs that I was writing and going, oh, it'd be cool if I could write this for this and this and this. But then I'd be like, ah, oh, that's just a dream. Sticking them in like my voice memos in my phone and carrying on producing for Cam or producing something. Um, but yeah, and then they eventually became something that, you know, my voice <laughs> brought to life, I guess. Break into my shoes I've been wearing my whole life So I can pay my dues With the pennies that I stole I wanted to be like you Cause there was nothing else I understood My life's an empty carnival I went looking for myself alone In a room that looks from the outside The mountains are just made out of shells and stones That if I lose, get caught in the landslide And choose your words wisely Lose or tread lightly Throwing glances that I don't like My fingertips are sore From the nails I say I don't bite I guess it it's my fault Cause lately I've been paying more attention To these voices in my head I went looking for myself alone In a room that locks from the outside The mountains are just made out of shells and stone That if I lose, get caught in the landslide And choose your words wisely Lose or tread lightly The bandage can't shake my bad habit I'm terrified what the world might imagine Am I defined by the thoughts in my brain? The worst kind of monster's the one you create I am a man but I feel like a boy With blood on my hands but I break like a toy I heard the thunder but I couldn't hide At the brink of it all I got caught in a landslide
The Alpha Sessions with Alan Joyce. So you've, you're based in Hertfordshire, as we yeah, were talking yeah. about before. Um, I gather you actually took part in East Hearts Got Talent back in 2016. I, I was did. That, was that as part of the band? Was yeah, it? yeah. So that was a part of Cam's band um, with a, a friend of mine from school as well called Dan Formoso. He's actually a guy who uh, co-produced my first album with me. Um, me, him and Cam, we sort of formed a band purely for the sake of entering this competition because we sort of thought it would be a nice platform to showcase all the music we've been making together because Dan actually helped me with Cam's stuff as well. There was a point where I was producing for Cam and then eventually Dan got involved and then we started working on Cam's stuff together. And right. then, yeah, and then we formed a band off of that. And we were mainly performing songs that we were making for Cam, yeah. uh, but we were billing ourselves as a band and performing them. Um, yeah, and then we won East Hearts Got Talent, which was really cool. Brilliant. Which, which we didn't expect, but it was it was really fun. And yeah. Was that the first time you sort of felt that you were really getting recognised for the stuff that Definitely. you Definitely. That was the moment where I sort of felt like I must have been doing something right. Like if, if people were enjoying this enough to listen to it and, you know, to vote for us to win, then people must be, I must have something, I must be doing something right. You know, maybe I'm not so bad at producing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So at what point did you then decide to, to go the solo route? How so I, to be fair, I was still producing for Cam as well when I started doing my solo stuff. What actually happened was I got a new job and moved up to, be, I was originally based in Chesant all those years prior. Um, and I eventually moved up to Bishop Stortford because um, I took on a new job. And with that, I've moved house and got myself a new studio. Um, well, a home studio anyway. And I was just working from that home studio. And off the back of that, I would be, I was just working on my own stuff What at the same time that I started that job. And all these songs that I've been writing over the years, which I had big, big plans for, I sort of got to the studio, recorded them all, and went, right, now I know not what to do. And then I sort of scrapped them and started again. Really? And then, yeah, and then, but... And all this was happening whilst I was still producing with Cam as well. Um, yeah, and then eventually I just sort of started making lots and lots of stuff. Um, I had unrealistic deadlines in my head. I was like, this song's going to come out in the next few months and it's going to be great. Um, but I sort of just kept kept producing because I'd made loads of stuff over the years that wasn't sounding like this. So I felt like I needed to make a lot of what I was going to end up making to get good at it. So I started just making lots and lots of demos and developing things, scrapping things, changing things. And then I ended up with an album at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. So did you know, did you have an idea in your head how you wanted it to sound? Or was it a case of you made it and you thought, I'm not happy with that. And then you sort of started again. Yeah, it was definitely more of a um, discovering how it was sounding as I went along. I, I sort of had these ideas in my head. Oh, I want like a, a ballad to be like this. And I want this and this and this. And then that in, if I'd actually got them recorded the way they were in my head, I probably would have ended up with an album that didn't sound very concise. It would have been very like all over the place. Um, and that's probably due to the fact I'm inspired by so many genres or due mm. to the fact that I've been listening to so many over the years. Um, but it got to a point where these songs started to develop a sound that actually linked them together. No matter what type of sound they were, I could be writing a ballad and then writing some, something upbeat, but there was something about the style of production and the style of song that it was or the way I was writing it that was sort of pulling it together. So it sort of naturally forced itself into an album and anything that wasn't forced into that category just sort of ended up on the chopping floor. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That was what I was going to ask you about, actually. Mm. With your, So your first album came out 2018, Getting yeah. By. Yeah, Getting By. So you were 
taking songs that you already had and sort of trying to make them fit into the album rather than writing yeah. songs specifically for the album. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. For the, for the most part, there, there became a point where I think at first I was just like, I'm just going to make some songs, see what happens. No one knows me. This is my first time doing this by myself. There's no point in me coming out with a big project um, and hoping that people will listen. I think I have to sort of reel people in first. And um, so at first I was just making songs, making songs. It got to a point where I, I think I was about five to six songs in. I was like, actually, this sounds like, you know, if, if I just get a few more, I could have like a really nice album here. So that in initial idea just went out the window. And then I was like, right, now it's an album. I want to make this kind of song. And, and then I just sort of tried to uh, focus my attention on on the songs and or focus my attention on creating new songs that would tick the boxes for me on what I thought would make a good first album for someone like me. And you describe that album as your moody indie pop album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, how did that come about? Was that just how you were feeling at the time? How, how did you come to that? Yeah, I think it was more like a, they, they all have like quite a mellow tone to them and they're all quite um, low-key and ambient and they've got sort of like this um, soundscape um, sort of layer to them which was something I found to be quite a nice way to sort of, um, I don't know, make more like self-reflective music. It felt, it, they just naturally came out self-reflective, all the songs, and it sort of felt a bit more, that's why I called it moody. I think moody was maybe, it's, it's not all sad and all mm. depressing, but, yeah. but it's definitely got a, a bit of, um, you know, I feel like with pop music, and because I, I consider myself a pop artist in some forms, I feel like a lot of pop music has like a certain sparkle to it and a certain uh, hope and happiness and tone to it. Whereas this had sort of quite like a mellow undertone but had like this hopeful meaning behind it, I guess. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that's that, that was sort of my, my definition of moody, I guess. And I say I don't want to go outside Don't take it as a sign that I do not try And if my manners are sour gone bad I'll be walked all over by the marching band I miss the ground The way it felt back when my handshake meant so much more than life or death and a wound became a scar I miss the sound of how my heart would beat in double time Life outside where the sun don't shine, light within the dark And I get on to the things you say But every one step close is a step away Now I dry my eyes with my broken hands Cause I'll never be a part of the marching band I miss 
race the cars The way the headlights blinked on an open road The only time we were toe-to-toe -to -toe, We were dancing in a bar I miss the stars Although I did not look up until now I got lost and found somehow They were here right from the start What have we started? What have we started? We're alive, but not quite. The Alpha Sessions with Alan Joyce. What did you learn, would you say, most from the release of that album? What would you say when you came out of that process, you think, mm. right, next time I'm not going to do it that way again? I think I definitely learned more about... Um, the way that I was putting the album out. Um, in terms of the creation itself, I wish that I, uh, to this day, I still wish there was like a tick list that I had that I'd written out going, oh yeah, this is how I wrote this good, this song that's really good. Um, and this is what I had to do. And this is the mind state I had to be in. Um, but to this day, I'm still writing songs and wondering where they come from. Because like some of the songs I've played today, um, some of them from getting by and some from, from from this new album that I'm working on. Um, they've come out of nowhere. Like, And I think I tend to find that the ones that come out of nowhere are the ones that uh, seem to be the ones that stick. Mm. And the ones that I sit there and think, oh, I need to change this and tweak this. Very few of those ones end up going through to that next stage of, you know, being finished. So, um, so the, in terms of your writing process, the ones yeah. that you use generally get written fairly quickly, do they? Yeah, to an extent, like the initial idea, the big bulk of the initial idea ends up getting done very quickly. And then once I've got, I'd say by that point, I'm over halfway into what the song ends up being. And from there, I can sort of gauge if this is something I want to keep or if this is something I don't want to work on anymore or something that I can take pieces of and make something new with. But going back to your original question, the... Um, I feel like I learnt more about the way I was dishing the album out because I wanted to do it in the traditional way, which was announce an album or put out some singles, announce an album, play a bunch of gigs, and then the album comes out and then hopefully listeners come mm. to it. Um, and I'm glad I did it that way, but I think that now with streaming and Spotify and Apple Music, I think it makes more sense, for me anyway, to put songs out one by one because it gives them a bit more chance to sort of uh, find an audience because I feel like nowadays with that kind of environment of listening or with the you know the the platforms that we have now to listen on people actually have the opportunity to not listen to a whole catalogue of someone or more so they lack the attention span to do so which is absolutely fine um, they more have the attention span to stick on a playlist and mm. go through that which is what a lot of people are aware of um but I think based on that, if you're putting out a whole album, 
someone who likes this type of music might just pick one song from that album and go, right, I like this one. This can go in my collection. And the rest of the album's all right, but this song's really good. Yeah, so, it's true. And, and mm. I do that as well. And how mm. do you feel about that as an artist? Does that frustrate you that you can't put an album together? Or uh, are you happy releasing them as, as just a single? To, yeah, to I'm, to be honest, the, the, with the way I work, to get a particular sound, I tend to find that I am an artist who can only create in bulks because when I started what has now become my second album, I was like, right, I'm going to make a short project. It's going to be a few songs because I know that they're only going to end up on playlists. And then I found myself struggling to actually make songs that didn't gel together like a project. So what I decided to do was make a project and then dish them songs out one by one. And I think that to do with the actual process itself, I'm quite happy with it because I think that it means you don't have to, you know, if someone who doesn't have to work like me um, wants to make just one song, they can do mm. that. And they don't have to think, oh no, I need to make an album. I need to think about how it looks. I need to think about this. That if you've got a song, you get it mixed, you get it produced, you get it some artwork for it. You put it out in the world over, you know, over the course of however long you could end up with an audience just by being put on you know, a folk playlist or yeah. being put on a moody indie pop songs playlist or something like that. So I, I think it's really good. I, I personally really like it. So your approach to when you were writing songs for the, what will become this second album, yeah. did you not think of so much along the lines of a theme of the album? You were just writing a collection of songs. Yeah, actually. yeah. I started off with, I actually started the, the year, I started 2019 by saying, I'm going to try and make a song in loads of different genres. And then I started doing that and I did that and I came up with a load of songs and a lot of them I was happy with, which was, I guess that may be something that came off the back of making the album because I was making so much. I feel like I must've got better at doing stuff by myself or making songs as a solo artist because nowadays I make a lot more stuff that I'm proud of. Um, and I ended up with loads of songs, but then I actually ended up finding that theme. Well, it wasn't an actual um, like lyrical theme this time it was more of a sonic theme i had sort of this sound of um after i'd made a song in every single genre i then had a few songs that were like that consisted of drum machines and acoustic guitars which i found was quite cool because it was quite a minimal sound and it meant that i didn't have to go through because my my album took two years to make my first album whereas this one took me nowhere near as long as that because it was quite stripped back in comparison because the first album had a lot of synths and a lot of um, guitars and live bass and all these elements that I overthink, well, I, I overfunk, if that's a word. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I was just thinking about so much and I was tweaking and changing. Whereas with this one, I was like, right, I wrote the whole song on a guitar. Now I'm going to add some drums to it and do vocals. And, it, and then after so many songs, it sort of felt like, oh, you know, Lyrically, these aren't tying together as much, but sonically, they sound like a project. Mm. So I sort of felt that I'd make it another project. It just felt like the right thing to do. But I would dish it out how I initially planned, which was song by song. And for an artist who is just sort of starting out on that mm. road now, and we have many who come on to this programme, yeah. who's thinking about how they go about promoting their songs now, which has obviously massively changed in the last yeah, few yeah. years. Mm. What advice would you give to them? Um, I think the best way to do it is, I mean, the way I do it is Spotify has this really smart thing where if you listen to Spotify or if you use Apple, I'm not sure with Apple Music because I don't really use it as much, but I use Spotify. And what it tends to do, 
based on the music you're listening to, it generates playlists for you. Mm. It generate they're automatically generated with music that they think you might like. And often a lot of artists that appear in this playlist are ones that you've never heard of. Like and if you click on them, they haven't got a lot of streams and they haven't got lots of numbers. And they end up on those playlists because they have a lot of related artists. So the way to find these uh, playlists to get on is just by looking through your Discover Weekly or looking for these playlists that your your being f- uh, your um, Discover Weekly is comprised of, and check those artists. Check where else they're what other playlists they're on because more often than than not, they are in that playlist because they're on many others. So you can go by there and you can see what playlists they're on. And from there, you can see who's curating them. Um, and you can, fi- you know, it only takes a Google search to find that person's or that, you know, sometimes you've got um, like a company made playlist or you've got a user generated playlist. And all it takes is a Google search to find them. And then from there, you can either message them or it, I think asking is the best way to do it. So you almost need to find another artist who's doing something very similar to yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and sort of follow their path in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think that for unsigned artists, you're going to find loads of artists that make a similar genre in their own way, yeah. meaning that they're going to end up in a playlist somewhere. And if there's even like a hint of similarity between you guys, I think that warrants enough for you to contact that person who's curating that playlist and say, oh, hi, you know, I've seen that you've got this person on your playlist. I make similar music. Like, mm. I, I wonder if you wouldn't mind checking it out for me. Yeah. Wow. It's quite a science, hasn't yeah, it? It has it, changed so much. It's really strange. Yeah. It's, it's cool, though. It's interesting because yeah. it, it also feels like the the music industry and the audience is now, um, it's more controlled through the audience. It's no longer like a, an industry controlled thing. It's more like, Bob from somewhere has made a playlist. People like these playlists, so they've started following it and started listening to it. And off the back of that, he's ended up with thousands of followers on his playlist. You know, he might just... He, he probably isn't a professional um, Spotify playlist curator. He's more just a, a guy who made a playlist full of music he loves. And, yeah. you know, that um, people related to that and they loved that music and followed the playlist. And off the back of that, if you can get yourself in there then, you know, half the work is done for you. You've just got a... I think that as long as you're offering something back, I think that that's enough to be able to be on a playlist. I think that if you're going to approach people to be on their playlist, you've got to have something to offer, whether it be um, a listening experience, you know, something they enjoy, or even if it's just something like, oh, if you put me on your playlist, I'd love to share it across my social media and try and get you more followers for it or get you more listeners on it. And social media is the other big part, obviously, yeah. at the moment, isn't it? Do mm. you spend a lot of time using social media? Uh, I do. Um, I feel like I could definitely... It's one of those areas I've definitely got room to improve. It's. It, I feel like that's a whole science in itself, trying mm. to do social media. Um, something that I'm trying to get better at, and I think I have got better at, but definitely I'm not where I want to be. But also... If I could get there, I'm slightly concerned of how much of my life would be involved in social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is a challenge. It's certainly another full-time job, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. Certainly for some people it is. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of the tracks you've released this year. Yeah, yeah. One of the ones, one of my particular favourites is um, Simple Shade of You. Oh, yeah. Which was released earlier this oh, year. Oh, thank you. Great tune. Tell us a bit about that song. Awesome. Together. Uh, oh, thank you for listening. I'm glad you like it. Um, it's a song I wrote about the the uh 
sort of one day sat down and I feel like when I'm at work or when I'm seeing people, there's often this uh, this notion to sort of ask people about the weather. Like it's, it's sort of like a it's like small talk, isn't yeah, it? You say, British oh, thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's a British thing, like moaning about the weather, talking about oh yeah. lovely weather we're having, or, oh crap weather we're having, yeah. uh, don't like this weather. Um, and I sort of that sort of inspired it. I was like, why well, I'm going to write a song about me just moaning about the weather, <laughs> and it sort of it, it came from there really and became this song about the weather. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laying under the sky where vanity glistens and batteries die. What a way to decide if I want to listen or I want to cry. I'm fed by understatements and choosing I won't ever feel myself. At best I'm more complacent, I pray no one can tell. I never liked the sound of the rain in the summer Why do we always betray one another? Give me a sigh, but say it aloud Give me a light and I'll lay on the ground Life is a bargaining game, not a drummer I can find a beat to escape when I'm smothered Give me a sigh, but turn it around And maybe in time I'll be painting a town In a color that's a simple shade of you a color that's a simple shade of you If I could stomach the pride Would there be a hit list that I'd have to sign? What a way to retire The things that I've witnessed for the sun in my eyes I'm a guest in product placement Who blames its words on names that I can't spell At best I'm more complacent I pray no one can tell I never liked the sound of the rain in the summer Why do we always betray one another? Give me a sigh, I say it aloud Give me a light and I'll lay on the ground Life is a bargaining game, not a drummer I can find a beat to escape when I'm smothered Give me a sigh, I'll turn it around And maybe in time I'll be painting the town In a color that's a simple shade of you Color that's a simple shade of you. The Alpha Sessions with Alan Joyce. Being based in Hertfordshire, well, Hertfordshire Essex border, mm. Bishop Stortford, how do you find the gig scene? And, and are there places to play there? Or do you find you end up having to come into London quite a bit? Um, I don't come into London as much as I used to. But back when I was gigging with Sid and in my other bands, I used to coming to London a lot more. Um, nowadays, I find myself looking for more because of um, we had this great venue in Harlow, which is like the closest proximity to um, Bishop Stortford. In terms of like the big music scene, that was like the pinnacle for everyone. All the local musicians used to go and play at the square. And that got ripped down, I think it was one or two years ago, maybe more. I mean, time's flown so much. But so after that, I'm not sure what other people are doing, but I've been sort of focusing my attention on open mics and stuff like that because there aren't many music venues around Hertfordshire, I've found, but, or my side of Hertfordshire anyway, but there are a lot of pubs. So more often than not, the pubs will have open mic nights or performance mm. nights, which tend to be, it's, it's a completely different experience to gigging, but I've found it a lot of fun because you get more of like a a direct response and it's more like a you go and play and then there's 
a band after you who are going to play. Sometimes you play one song and then, then someone else will play one song and then you play a song. And uh, yeah, I've, I've found a lot of um, enjoyment in that anyway. Um, and you're also introducing yourself to an audience who are perhaps not sort of a bit more open-minded. They're not yeah. sure what they're going to get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not exactly. going on specifically to see one particular artist. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's quite cool because yeah. you can sort of get a bit more direct feedback not well i'd hope i should i'm um, luckily that i haven't had anyone turn around and say oh throw tomatoes at me and yeah. get me off the stage or the front of the pub but yeah but most of the time if someone likes it they'll come up to you and i'll say oh well done i really like that and i think i've had that more from open mics than i have from gigs anywhere that's sort of on your bucket list of places you would love to perform love to perform um there's one in cambridge and i can't remember the name oh, of right. it it's cambridge I really can't remember the name of it. If not, I'm just going to go okay. big. I'm just going to go bigger. Then I'd love go to big. play somewhere like Albert Hall or something. Yeah, like that. why not? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been to gigs there before. Yeah. It just like the the whole environment That's is just amazing, lovely. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or right. Roundhouse maybe. Roundhouse in London. Yeah. Who would you have as your sort of dream support act? No oh, support acts. Uh, <laughs> God, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I mean, again, yeah. think big, whoever, whoever think you big, want. Who, who's, who's the I would, idol? I would love to see a lineup with, well, one of my favourite bands is Fun. So if Fun reunited, which okay. would be lovely, because they, they're not together now, if they reunited, like my dream lineup would be me alongside them with someone like John Bellion or Wilco or, Man. yeah, something like that, I think. It'll be a very weird lineup, yeah. but it would be cool. Well, why not? <laughs> yeah, if you can do a bit of rap in between and a bit of Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it'd be a very collective. <laughs> cool. Um, so what what's coming up next year? What, what are the plans for 2020? So my album is pretty much done. Um, I'm sort of focusing on trying to get a lot of um, content for that done because the songs are done. I just want to get together, like, some visuals to sort of bring the songs up because I want to... As, as well as Spotify, I think that on f focusing on Spotify and getting my music out that way, I sort of neglected YouTube a bit and YouTube was sort of where I came from and mm. I forgot my love for it until I started putting out music videos for some of these new songs. And uh, so, yeah, so I want to try and get more visual content and videos for my uh, songs for this new album. And yeah, other than that, it's probably just going to be make more music, do some more gigs. Um, yeah, and maybe some acoustic versions and alternate versions of songs because I like doing stuff like yeah. that. Oh, well, we look forward to hearing it all. So if people want to find out more about you, if they've been mm. listening to this and like what they hear, where can they go? What can they uh, if that, I'm everywhere just as at Joe Tyrone. So it's J-O-E-T-U-R-O-N-E. -E. Brilliant stuff. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places. Great. And we're going to play out on uh, one particular track of yours called uh, Fly on the Wall, which is your latest single. It is indeed. Tell us a bit about that one. Uh, that was uh, another one that's... I, sometimes when I'm writing, and I, I, that was maybe the process with a lot of these new songs, actually, now I think about it, is finding really weird scenarios and weird things to write about. And I often, sometimes I turn to... I don't know if you've ever used Reddit before, the... Uh, the forum website I, th I think it's a forum website i'm not really sure what it counts as but i often flick on reddit and there's a um there's a uh what they call a subreddit on there called songwriting prompts and you can just click on there and people will put up songwriting prompts like uh write a song about this or about this and usually they're very strange like someone would put something like write a song about a whale who's not in the ocean or <laughs> something as weird as that yeah. and there was one that was it said, write a song about a fly on a wall watching you 
live your day. So, oh, so it's a literal fly on a wall. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so it literally <laughs> will end up being... Well, I think there's a lot of like uh, metaphors in yeah. it and stuff, but it became a song about uh, a fly on a wall yeah. watching someone have a bad day and sort of... Um, the song's like depicted by this being, well, the fly, who doesn't really have any sense of, you know, doesn't have any sense of how we behave as humans, you know, that they don't understand emotions, they don't understand all these things. And the song is like the fly questioning these things. And it sort of makes, to me, the song felt it kind of um, made things that feel really dramatic in your head feel less dramatic when you start to put them literally into mm. a song like that and question them literally like that and it sort of yeah it sort of took the uh the meaning out of the you know something that might have been making you have a bad day when you question it in a certain way it sort of makes you think oh actually it's not so much of a big deal and that was sort of the inspiration like the fly sort of became this person who has no knowledge of any of that and sort of asking these you know sometimes silly questions but i sort of wanted to make it come across like poetry so I tried to make it as poetic and pretty as I could. Whilst at the same time, at the end of the day, it's just a fly on a wall asking questions. <laughs> that's one of the best explanations for a song that I think we've ever had. Done. That's, that's great stuff. Thank you, Joe, so much for Thank coming down. Thank you very down. much. Thank yes. you for having me. I've been waiting a long time for the harsh light That I like to stare right into before I made hands with my doom And no one complains about the past time Like the maven I despise Who says things like I wish I weren't here Still I would trade lies with my fear Fly on the wall Desires to bend like a sharp knife That I can't pry Into my heart like a spear Choose when they'd like to appear Gaps in your breath last a lifetime That is over half of mine But maybe something stay unclear Until you wipe all your tears Outside of the shell And do the truth and the reason Need to relate And it's failure The neighbor of how It's been a long day As a fly on the wall